Hi friends, Rich here and welcome to the Youth Ministry Conversation. It's great you've decided to take some time out and join us for this session. We hope this will be a space where you can take a few minutes to listen, learn and reflect. In this episode, we're going to be welcoming Dr. Kate Middleton from the Mind and Soul Foundation and hearing her thoughts on how we can help support young people in their mental health. This was taken from our last online gathering of the Youth Ministry Conversation. So grab yourself a pen and a notebook and sit in your favourite comfy chair and let's listen to what Kate had to say. Thank you. So, I mean, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the, the challenges of where we find ourselves in this slightly crazy moment, because we have been through Now, I am going to promise you that I'm only going to use this word once in the whole evening because it's absolutely driving me crazy still, even 18 months in. And it's the unprecedented word. I mean, can you even remember hearing that word before pandemic? And now it seems to be particularly if you're a politician, it's your excuse for everything. And and I'm also starting to use it as an excuse. You know, my son says, why is tea not ready yet? I'm like, there have been unprecedented situations in the house this evening. Anyway, I'm only going to use it once, but it has been an unprecedented time. We've not encountered anything like this before. And and that has presented some unusual challenges to us all. This pandemic has had an impact on all of our lives. And of course, for young people, what it's done is is two things, really. And, And one is that it's sped up some of the trends that we were already seeing. So let's be honest, we were already seeing concerns raised around mental health problems, issues around resilience and thriving, particularly for this rising generation of young people who are teenagers now, um, and, and some of the young adults as well, who particularly struggled having to go off to uni and cope with the very unusual circumstances they found themselves in this year. So there's a speeding up of some of those trends. But at the same time, obviously, it has also created some new issues, young people who weren't struggling before, who have found this season really hard, who have maybe experienced in this season situations that have been really traumatic, really difficult, really pressured, or for whom some of the transitions that have been involved in the season have been difficult. And I I include in that this moment now, it's interesting in a lot of ways, the times we expected young people to struggle were probably the, the sort of first lockdown when there was this big change. But actually, if we look at some of the figures that we're seeing now that research is coming in, this moment now, and, and the season that's been more about coming out in inverted commas or re-entry as I'm liking to call it, has been one of the most problematic for a lot of people because it is emotionally very complex. And there's a lot more difficulty involved when you're trying to, to do things and hold some of the emotional impact, maybe return to situations that, that you were released from for a time in lockdown for young people who are perhaps struggling in school with issues around bullying or, or anxiety issues and some of the pressure of ex- exams, of course, Um, They didn't have to to sit those exams, although that brought its own pressures and challenges for both of the year groups in the two summers that we've we've been through. But of course, a lot of those things have affected a lot of us too. And I think there are some good things that have come out of the pandemic as a sort of side effect of the impact that it's had on all of our emotional well-being, because perhaps uniquely it did universally put all of our mental health under pressure. And what that's done is really raised everybody's awareness of just the importance of mental health. And also that this isn't something you can take for granted, that when life puts you under pressure, 
pressure, all of us can start to struggle, can start to get to a place where we have to be much more deliberate about thinking about what do I need to do to keep myself well in this moment? You know, we've all got used to trying to do some things to look after our physical health. You know, maybe we go go for a run or a walk from time to time. We try and eat reasonably healthy, stuff like that. But how many of us before the pandemic thought that way about our mental health? And I think that there's a lot more awareness now that, that this is something that we all have. And the good thing, therefore, is, is that we've moved slightly from what before pandemic was very much what I would call a sort of us and them attitude to mental health. So in typically conversations you might have about the, the topic, you're very much talking about the people sort of over there who are struggling rather than how this affects me. Or, or some people might identify and say, actually, this is something I struggle with too. But it was very much about two sort of boxes of people the people who were unwell and struggling and the people who were sort of basically well and, and in the happy box over here. And occasionally things, challenges hit and people sort of moved and you always thought they were in the happy box. It turned out they were in the other one all along. And, and that was the sort of model that a lot of people had. And, and that when they talked about mental health, that it became clear that was the way that they thought about it. Of course, that's not true. Mental health and well-being is like a line. And we're all on that line somewhere between the sort of healthier end and perhaps the end that's that's a little bit more difficult. And life pushes you up and down that line. Sometimes when things are challenging or stressful or just complex, we can slide down a little bit and find ourselves in a place where we are starting to struggle. Some people have really difficult things that happen or maybe have had a rough start in life and they, they start lower down than other people. So we vary in that way, but we all have mental health and, it, and that's a good thing that we've become aware of that. The second good thing, of course, is that we are talking so much more about mental health as a result. And I think breaking down some of that stigma and the openness to have conversations and the valuing of those conversations is really good. Um, and we're starting to move to a place where we see it as less of a weakness to have mental health needs and to recognize that this is just a universal part of being human. But of course, it's not quite that simple, is it? Because we still do struggle with stigma. We do still struggle with some attitudes around mental health and the way that we understand the meaning of that. And, and I'll be a little bit challenging and suggest that sometimes in church context, that can be particularly difficult. That still I hear lots of stories from people who within church context have encountered often well-meaning but difficult responses to this whole area and, and have struggled slightly with the reaction when it's become apparent that there is a more serious mental health issue going on. Of course, there is a challenge though, and there is a concern and something that we need to be aware of, which, which is something that weighs really heavily for me, particularly in this season. And that's a risk that if we're not aware, a, a space we can get drawn into, which is that, that because a lot of our conversations about, media, about mental health are generated by media spaces, whether that's social media or, or the, the media on the radio or on the news, 
those conversations inevitably focus more on the negative impact of mental health, of some of the things that concern us, of the illness aspect of mental health. You know, negative stories catch our attention. We're more likely to read them, focus on them, remember them, retell them. And so those are the stories that can dominate the conversations that we're having about mental health and wellness. They may be the dominant stories that your young people are hearing. They may be the only stories that your young people are hearing about mental health and mental wellness. And of course, the risk there is that what we're focusing on is the thing that we want to help them avoid. And we're not talking anything like enough about the thing that we want them to achieve. We're not having enough conversations about wellness and how to manage some of the challenges of this weird 21st century like you said, I'm not sure we can say post-pandemic, like re-entry, like ongoing pandemic, whatever you call it. I don't know. It's all a bit crazy, isn't it? Yesterday, half of the half of the internet seems to have gone down. We can't buy petrol anymore. Ocado's not delivering frozen food. I just think the world may be ending, frankly. But that world, whatever you call it, how do we help them manage some of those challenges? Is it possible for us to equip a generation who can not just survive, but maybe even thrive, including through life's tough times? You know, and what does that look like? We have to be so careful that the conversations that we're having, the stuff that we're teaching, the stuff that we're speaking over them is not going to disable them, but actually is a story about enabling. So we're not just talking about the difficulties and the challenge and, and the generation lost. We're talking about how, how we can help them to live and helping to, to talk about overcoming some of those challenges and telling the stories of what it looks like to do real life with all its messy moments and all the difficulties, but still coming through those and, and, and managing those challenges as well. Because we do know that mental health is a real challenge for today's culture, particularly for that generation. So coming out of the pandemic, we are seeing a rise. You know, you guys are reporting that you're seeing a rise. And that is recognized in some of the clinical um, facts and figures. So we're seeing a rise in general in what you sort of call mental distress. So just young people who are reporting that they're struggling, that, they're, that their life satisfaction is lower than it used to be. We're seeing some rises in particular specific mental health problems. The notable ones coming out of pandemic would be issues around anxiety anxiety, also eating disorders, which have really shot up, which isn't a huge surprise because they're very much uh, related to moments where young people feel that they're out of control. They're trying to claw back a sense of feeling in control of their life. We might talk a bit more about that later. It, let, me, let me just couch that, however, in saying that if you look at most decent surveys of young people, so ones that aren't introducing lots of bias because they're, if, if you go on the internet and ask young people to fill in your survey about mental health, it's inevitable that you'll get the ones who are struggling are more likely to fill it in than the ones who aren't. So we have to be a little bit wary with some of the data that we're seeing. But so just to encourage you that the, the, the most reliable studies would still show that the majority of young people are actually doing okay, that they're managing, they might be finding life tough, but, but they're doing okay. But there are some who are struggling. 
And, and I think what we're hearing anecdotally from schools and youth work spaces and also from parents and from young people themselves is a story underneath that sort of clinical level of, of, of really significant mental illness. It's just a story underneath of young people who you might describe as just failure to thrive, we, we would talk about for younger children in terms of physical well-being. And it, it just feels like they're not, they're not having that experience of life to the full. They're not thriving. There's something that's just not catching for them. They're finding this tough. And there are concerns around general resilience, their confidence in handling some of the challenges of the world that they're facing. And certainly as they head into adult life, we're seeing some real evidence of that struggle. So if you speak to people working in universities, we're seeing higher levels of dropout, people really acutely struggling with mental health and well-being. Once they make that leap, and of course, adolescence, that whole journey through teenage life is about preparing for that moment when you go off and have to try and be some kind of adult. And, and so it feels like something, we're, we're missing something in terms of how well we're preparing them to feel really confident and equipped and secure in their ability to face some of those pressures. And that's an interesting space in this moment, because what that means is that for many young people, what's more likely to limit them, so limit their ability to release their potential, everything that's within them, limit their ability to just live their dreams and do the things that they long to do with their life, but also limit their potential to have that experience of, of just life with God. For young people who have a faith going out, following that faith, stepping out, following the calling and the passions that God has placed on their heart. What, what we're seeing is the thing that's most likely to limit them isn't something about ability or qualifications or experience it is how do they manage things like difficult emotions stress pressure tough times or how how good are they at doing relationships are there underlying issues that they haven't resolved about their understanding of themselves or their identity or some of the other complex topics that they come across so what I want to talk to you tonight a little bit is just about that wider question of mental health. So thinking not, not just about that clinical space for how you support young people who are unwell, because there is lots of great information out there for that. And we will share some links and resources with you um, at the end where you can, can go if you've got specific things like young people with eating disorders, self-harm, stuff like that. You can find great information about that. But what I want to really think about tonight is that space underneath, like what does it mean to grow and enable and equip young people for the challenges that life is going to present? If, if a teenager or a young person comes to your group sort of aged, aged 11, 12, and they're going to stay with you until they're maybe 15, 16, 17, maybe even 18, what, what can you do in that time space that's going to give them the best possible chance of, of, of not just muddling through the difficulties of life, but really really managing them well. And I, I want to share with you uh, a little piece from, it's from Romans 5, it's verses 3 to 5. So this is Paul. And this is Paul talking about something that he's learned through some of the tough times that he has experienced. It's, it's some advice and some reflections from him on, on what that's taught him about life and some really key stuff. And, and I think it's fascinating when we bear in mind this topic. And, and this is what he says. This is the uh, NIV. You might be looking in a different version. 
So he says we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is talking about there is really interesting because he's, if you look at the, the language that he's using, he's talking about these, these moments in life where we are effectively forced to endure. When he talks about suffering, the, the word that he's using describes this, these, these moments where the things are happening around you that are bad or difficult, and there's basically nothing you can do about them. You are, you're forced to endure, or as he says, persevere. Just, just keep going, head down, somehow get through it. And, and, you know, global pandemic is a pretty good example of one of those quite a long, actually, season where we were forced to endure with something that was really difficult, but outside of our control, you know, it doesn't matter how clever you are or how good your mental health skills are. You cannot solve global pandemic. What you have to do is, is work out a way to get through it, to, to tread water, to keep your head above the water, to not go under and, and just, just wait for the tide to turn, for situations to change. And sometimes life presents you with moments like that where the challenge isn't about actually how do I solve this, how do I make it better, but just what, what are the skills that I need to have to get through this moment and what's interesting is those moments might be about emotionally distressing stuff but but stress isn't actually always about distress some of the most amazing moments in life some of the most significant moments in life are also some of the most stressful because anything in life that you care about will trigger for example anxiety anxiety is your brain's way of telling you that something's important of drawing drawing your attention to it, of making sure that you don't miss things that you should do, actions or reactions that, 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 that are important for you. So things like taking exams, uh, in a job interview, starting a new job, hoping it, if it goes well, going on a first date, you know, starting a new school, going to university. These moments are so full of potential and excitement also are actually quite stressful. So we have to learn how to endure those things. Our response to them can't just be like, well, avoid them. The, the message to mental health and well-being is not never do anything that's difficult. We don't want to give young people that message. We don't want to teach them that they're so that they're so vulnerable and weak that they cannot possibly expose themselves. What we must do is help them grow confidence and strength and skills that equip them to deal with those moments. And, and so what Paul is saying more than that, though, is that the pressure of those moments isn't necessarily negative. Maybe there's something really unexpected in the midst of those times that we discover. Maybe there's actually potential in the midst of that pressure. And he talks about two really significant things that grow out of those moments. And this is just great psychology. So it gets me quite excited. So first of all, he talks about it building character. Now, just disclaimer, because I have a 16-year-old in the house, and she at one point told me in the pandemic that if I talked about it being character building one more time, she would have to kill me. So I'm not, but this isn't me saying that. This is Paul, so therefore it doesn't count. Definitely not my fault. And besides, she's out. So it's fine. I can talk about it. But something about these moments when we're forced to endure under tough times, times grows us in, in quite 
quite an irritating way because we would all really rather that, that 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 wasn't how we grew. But if you look back in your life, and often the moments that have been the most significant, the most character shaping for you have been some of the toughest moments. And just a, a very quick window into the psychology, you know, we used to think that what sometimes happened for people who really struggle with emotional issues like anxiety and depression in particular, was that, that things had happened to them in life that were out of their control and that they'd learned through that something called learned helplessness. They'd learned that they, that they were vulnerable and that there was nothing they could do. And that, that left them in a position which left them very much at the mercy of some of these really difficult negative emotions and also really challenge their their feeling of efficacy their feeling of ability to make positive changes and lift themselves out of some of these difficult places but actually what we realized really quite recently in the field particularly of positive psychology which has grown so much in the last 10 years is that that's actually that that's not really an accurate way of looking at it more accurate description of what happens is that when we're young when we're kids we just don't realize how capable we are, how much control and influence we can have over how much of the world around us. And that's largely because as kids, you don't have much control. They're, they're still very dependent. They're not able to, to take responsibility for much yet. But as they grow, and particularly in the teenage years, hopefully what life gives them is gradually experience after experience that grows their understanding of what psychologists call agency. And that's that, that sense that you have as part of your identity that says you are basically a capable person. Like if life throws something rubbish at you, you will probably be able to cope with it or get through or find a solution. It's, it's your confidence in your innate sort of ability to problem solve and manage the tough stuff of life. And, and we only grow that by being exposed to challenge. That's the awkward thing. If we protect our kids and young people from everything that's difficult, they'll never realize just how capable they are. If, if we just sort of swoop in and solve every problem that they encounter, we're, we're actually robbing them of a really important lesson in life. Just why I always say when I'm teaching parents that, that your most important sentence as a parent is, how can I help you to solve this? I, it's, I, everything in me wants to just swoop in and take control and solve it for you. But actually what I need to do is support you to make the moves that you need to make, if at all possible, because then you will learn not just how to solve some difficult stuff, but that you are capable of solving difficult stuff. And that changes everything as you grow, because it means when, when life is difficult in tough times, you, you feel capable of finding a way through to victory instead of feeling like you're stuck being the victim. You feel less helpless because you realize you're not, even when so much is difficult, like in global pandemic, there are always positive things you can do even on the day you just feel rubbish or your best friend's done something awful or you flunked an essay or whatever it is that went wrong there are still things you can do to lift your mood to improve that day to maybe turn around a situation that's not going the way you hoped so that's the first thing it's about growing character where when we're forced to endure tough stuff we have to dig deep and we actually do learn stuff about ourselves even as adults but that's so important for this generation of young people but we have to equip them to feel that sense of confidence and capability, which is tough in a season where they're hearing a barrage of negativity. And, and so we have a responsibility to speak some better stories to counteract those messages for them. 
The second thing Paul talks about there is our ability to hold on to something else really important, which is the ability to hold hope. And, and you know, there's, there's something about our ability and creativity and, and defiance that enables us to, to pursue sources of joy and good things in tough times that also is a very important factor for well-being in adult life. So again, that's that sense of all of this stuff is rubbish, but, but here's the person I can always have a chat to who makes me smile. You know, this is really difficult, but, but here's, the, here's the walk I'm going to do that just for a moment will give me a sense of freedom and to catch my breath and peace. It's, it's understanding what those things are for you and, and, and again, having the confidence in your own ability to seek them. And, and actually psychologists call some of those behaviors, they, they trigger a part of your brain that's actually been called the hope circuit, which is a, you know quite a nice catchy bit of the brain to talk about. And as well as lifting your mood and helping you manage tough times, what we know is it actively, it actively switches off the bit of your brain that triggers despair and, and that really swampy difficult low mood which you can all often get caught up in and is is really horrible and and that's interesting because we know that despair is particularly triggered for human beings when they feel like their their control is low when it feels like life has gone crazy it's out of your control maybe bad stuff is happening and you feel like there's nothing that you can do about it so if we can improve young people's understanding that they actually do have more agency than they think there's more that they can do than they think we can live their ability not just to lift their mood but to switch off that awful feeling of despair and and that's been such an interesting topic through the pandemic through lockdowns when to be honest we we didn't have a lot of control and so despair is something an awful lot of people encountered many of them for the first time and and despair is a real challenge because it leads you to feel overwhelmed and to give up so your ability to hold hope instead, to hold your nerve when the pressure is on, to, to not panic, but instead to, to push through and find possibility in the midst of pressure. You know, that, that's such a valuable lesson that we can teach young people. And it, and it feels like some of the tools that this generation in particular really need us to give them. And, and Paul sees this to the degree that he actually proposes that we glory in those moments, those tough times in life, you know, celebrate them. Because, because maybe they grow our potential not just to hold hope in that moment, but because it's that inner confidence in our own ability. It's about the potential to, to push our own limits, to step into the more interesting things of life to 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 move into challenges to release some of that inner potential that's in us you know i i i um i heard a very interesting thing from a guy called matt parker the other day he's a mathematician who speaks a lot on radio four and he was talking about what distinguishes people who are good at maths from people who are not good at maths now many of us on this call would probably define ourselves in one of those groups i'm guessing the not good at maths might be more common but that could be unfair some of you could be complete maths whizzes but interestingly if you look at the psychology, what set, what distinguishes those two groups actually isn't really any innate mathematical ability. You can teach people to be good at maths. What, what distinguishes those two groups is how they respond to challenge. When you hit something you can't do, a problem you can't solve, do you enjoy that? Is that exciting? Is that something that, that releases this sense of confidence and defiance and come on, let's solve it? Or is it just no way I'm terrified by this? I'm, I don't like it. It makes me anxious. 
and and that's an interesting thing to apply to some of the challenges of of life in general can we help young people when they hit challenges to feel confident to feel equipped to have some skills they can draw on so that they can they can push into those things and journey through them do they know stories that that they can see themselves in that are about triumph and not tragedy or are they in a space where they just hit something like and it's something that's making them anxious or a difficulty and they just think no i can't i can't do this and that leads them into a space that may well lead to much more severe mental health problems and something that's harder for them then to get out of so final few thoughts i think what are the key things that we need to be talking to young people about? I, th I think we need to be talking about what emotions are, not as illnesses, but, but real healthy human emotions, using some good examples, being willing to model that ourselves, but also talking about maybe some biblical examples. You know, Jesus is such an amazing example for a psychologist because this is, this is God in the human brain and body that he designed. So Jesus is without sin, but he's living with the realities of what it means to be a human and he's experiencing emotions he's experiencing anxiety he gets frustrated he gets angry so we can talk about what emotions are and and we can we can talk about how to manage them and what we do then is we stop young people adding either fear or guilt to what they're already feeling fear which is like what's wrong with me will i ever feel normal this is awful i just i can't cope with feeling like this and and guilt is if I was a better person, I wouldn't be feeling this. If I was a better Christian, I wouldn't be feeling this. And, and comparison, comparing themselves to people who seem to be doing better and managing better. So we can talk about emotions. We can teach them and, and give some good information about how to manage some of the common challenges, especially those ones that they encounter in adolescence. And, and we can also, to help them deal with those overwhelmed panic moments when life is really stressful, which are the most difficult moments. And again, those are the moments that in the panic, young people often end up getting drawn into behaviors that can lead them into cycles and patterns that then become very unhealthy. Just to encourage you then, how, how do we do it? Firstly, let me say, you don't have to become a mental health expert. You don't have to become a psychologist or a therapist. What this is about is creating safe spaces for good conversations. You know, so many of the spaces young people hear about mental health, they have an agenda. Somebody's got something they're trying to sell or a perspective that they want them to pick up. You, you can create some spaces that don't have that, where they can just bounce around their thoughts and, and try and figure out what they think. And, and you can speak some good information and some good stories. So so let, let, me, let me draw to a close. I, I just want to encourage you, let's hold hope you know paul at the end of that passage talks about a hope that comes from somewhere different to the hope in the world you know and if pandemic has taught us nothing it's that if you if you root your hope in like people or politicians or promises or policies you are likely to be disappointed but we do have a source of hope something really secure that when the whole world is shaken young people can root themselves in that will never let them down and so in connecting them with god and talking in a real way about some of these topics but also praying with them creating those spaces where we can just invite the holy spirit into those moments we can help them root themselves in something really solid
So you'll hear a lot of people saying that this generation are lost. I, I really don't believe that. I think there is so much potential in this generation. So let's let's help them to live instead. And, and I know that there are some links and resources and stuff that we're going to share with you later for some of the more practical information. And for, do feel free as well, you can get in touch with us through the Mind and Soul Foundation website. And so if you have specific questions or things that we can help you with, then do DM us or send us an email and I'll be able to respond to that. Well, thanks for that, Kate. Friends, I think what Kate had to share with us today was really helpful and has given us lots to think about in how we support young people in their mental health, especially as we re-emerge out of the pandemic. For me, one of the takeaway things that Kate had to say is that it is now even more important for us as leaders to be talking about the positive things in our lives and in the lives of young people, rather than focusing on the negative things in our world. And it's important for us to model what it means to hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus in our own lives for young people to see. So that's it for this episode of the Youth Ministry Conversation. We hope it's been helpful and we look forward to engaging with you again at one of our next gatherings or online at wearemovement.net. But for now, take care and have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.